The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. I am your host. We are here. Oh my gosh, we are still here. And not only are we here, we are thriving and we are happy. And it is April 6th and the year of the God Goddess, Buddha, whoever you honor, um, 2011. And you're listening to Waking Up in America. I'm Dr. Val Kirkgaard. Uh, in a sentence, my background includes fire walking, Olympic torch bearing, and dynamic radio dialogue since 1987. And I want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors, EmergencyManagementSolutions.org, also known as EMS Global One. Now, the really cool thing about that company is that CW owns it, and CW is our producer, and he is also co-host on our Saturday show, um, Our American Cafe, and a contributor to this show. And here's the deal. The guy's all about emergency management solutions, and he works with individuals and major companies, and Debbie will give you, be giving you some more information on emergency kits and threatened tsunamis and all kinds of stuff because that's what the government loves to do. They love to keep us crazy, and we love to keep you sane. So Waking Up at America is about giving you the information that keeps you sane, and Emergency Management Solutions Global One, go over and check it out. Uh, we'll be developing a store so you can actually go over there and buy the kits. And in the meantime, as I said, Debbie Ringchop will be giving you more information on that later in the hour. Our own dear Ron Hayes sent me an email saying, how much of that Jason Winter tea am I supposed to drink? And here's the deal here. With the Jason Winter tea, which is also another one of our major sponsors, this is a tea that strengthens your immune system. And the advantage of getting your immune system strengthened means you just don't deal with the stuff that people that have beaten down, ground up immune systems have to deal with. And we're not supposed to say that it cures anything, okay? Actually, you can think of the most horrible things that you can imagine from your guts turning into knots to cancer to whatever you want to imagine. And if you know that you've taken care of yourself, guess what? You'll never, they won't be an issue for you. So if you want to build a strong immune system, um, I drink one to three cups of Jason Winter's tea a day when I'm feeling good, and if I don't feel good, I'm drinking the stuff almost every hour, and the herbal formulas in it are there to strengthen the immune system, and I feel good most of the time now, so thank you, Jason Winter Tea. LA Lifestyle, which is a kind of brother-sister company of Jason Winter Tea, the guys are partners. They've got a cool thing on their website, which is they provide all the products that people could possibly need to strengthen the immune system. They give a discount to the military and also to seniors. But here's another cool thing they do as well. They actually have a way that you can ask them questions, and they will give you the answers. Now, I love questions that can be answered. So go to LALifestyle.com. And then you have the right 
you want to really check out what Tad Patterson is doing because, honest to God, you do have a lot of rights that you don't realize that you have. And the deal from all of that is once you got the rights, and his is youhavetheright.com. This guy has seminars. He has all kinds of documents. He has over a year's worth of follow-up question and answer calls. He has social community. And um, want to find out more of that, send me an email at val at mailhouse.com. He'll get a copy of that and get in touch with you. Or you can call him at 888-390-5104. Once again, 888-390-5104 for Tad, you have the right. And by gosh, do you want you to realize what kind of rights you have? It gives you a different world. So we thank you, C.W. Wright, as producer and announcer, and he's in an important meeting today. We thank Debbie Ringchop, who's here with us today. We thank Kelby Smith, who will be joining us at the half hour, and he's going to give you new information on the Republic um, website and also the purchasing of identification. Our own dear Dr. Rutledge is going to his dad's funeral today, so we send you a little prayer Dr. Rutledge, and to your family, actually a big prayer. And um, everybody's going to pass sooner or later. The question is, how are we going to do that? And as we were talking about last week, we're putting, we're, we're working on creating a powerful dash that follows the year you were born dash, okay? And Leslie Garrett being with us today is part of making that dash a wonderful thing. Ken Cousins will be telling us something really exciting about how to access his new silver rounds and what he's been up to. And um, I myself have been reflecting on the power and virtue of actually being a virtuous shopper, and we can do way more than be virtuous shoppers, okay? So you torchbearers all over the world know that you can carry a torch that has to do with your shopping. And one of the things that I was thinking about, you know, you think in terms of shopping, you think about going to the grocery store, you think about buying that item that you need for your house. Do you realize that you're shopping every time you flick on the light switch, you're deciding whether or not to buy electricity from the electric company. Now we're going to have uh, Larry Hagman on in a couple of weeks. We'll show you how he took a $3,000 a month bill and turned it into $13. And uh, how he actually has the largest private home um, electrical company in the United States and how the, the company actually pays him from time to time. So. You little torchbearers out there, remember, Sidious, Altius, Fortius, Swifter, Higher, Stronger. Um, and I added a Becca Moore, which is with love, okay? And we should add today as we introduce uh, Leslie Garrett. If you take a look at the website, she's a cutie. I don't know how old this picture is, but <laughs> <laughs> I know mine is old. Mine's about 15 <laughs> years old. Not so, too old. How old are you? You know? How, how far back does your virtuous consuming go? <laughs> well, I'm 46. And I, I think the only reason I was a virtuous consumer for much of my youth was simply because I was dirt poor. And <laughs> consumption was a, was a luxury that I just couldn't afford. So, uh, so yeah, it was really after, I, be, after I, I became a parent and started, you know, shopping for strollers and sleepers and blankets and that that I really kind of drew the connection between the money I spent and and 
basically what I was what I was supporting and what I was where I was placing my values. Yeah, there's so much we do. There's so many things that we do every day. There's so many deals that we make without making them. Well, you know, exactly. one of the things one of the things that I was thinking I've had I had um, the merchant services which processed one of my accounts, Leslie. They were actually their computer kept hitting my checking account. Like over and over and over and over and over again, and it took almost two weeks to make the computer stop hitting my checking account. Right. But every time it hit my checking account, I kept overdrawing it, and then I kept getting bad check fees and things like that. Right. And in communicating with the company, they agreed to take off the fees, right? Of course, because it was their computer, right? But they told me that I needed to call up on Friday and ask for them to do that. Yes. So we're not even buying from human beings anymore. The point well, of this story is we're buying from computers. It seems that way. And, and certainly when you run into a, an issue with a company, um, actually reaching a human being to, to relay your concerns is, is a Herculean task. It's, Do you want to know the trick? What's that? I have a trick. <laughs> I got tired of saying, I leave messages and they say, we'll call you back. We'll have to call you back within 48 hours, right? Always, if you want to talk to somebody, what you do is you either say you're going to pay a bill or create a new account with them. <laughs> no, they'll go back in five and minutes. And then you'll actually get through to a human. Yeah. So that's my coaching. Tell them you're going to open an account or pay a bill, and then once you get into them and you explain your frustration, there's always nice people in there. Yes. Well, it's true, and I think that's, that was the, the connection I made and, and basically the, the genesis of this book was this sense that I was, you know, I was buying these, these you know, little baby-sized undershirts and so on for my, for my kids and really making the connection that there was a human being at the other end of this supply chain that was producing these things. And what was that human being being paid? You know, how was that human being being treated sort of in the, in the workplace? You mean like the Chinese slaves? Are you referring well, to that? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty that's, horrifying, isn't it? It's, it's, really, it's certainly not the way I wanted to, you know, clothe my children. It was on the, you know, the backs of, of somebody else. Right, and I had I had always written about sort of social justice issues, and and it was you know just kind of one of those you know hadn't really stopped to think about my own role in this, and uh, and that was that was basically the the idea behind the book. It started off as a magazine article, which was pretty much you know how can I avoid sweatshops. Right. And then it just, you know, you, you kind of turn over one stone and another stone, and you, you learn fairly quickly that companies that, that don't much care about how workers are treated and whether they're paid fairly um, are, are as cavalier about environmental concerns as well. Well, you know, and it, it, just, it grew. It, it, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's interesting, though. I, I do a lot of work with landmark education, okay, and at the time I loved this group of people. They teach you, you ontology, the power of what it is to be a human being. So I wanted to take the advanced course, and I found out the advanced course in Los Angeles was um, $900, okay? But I also found out that the advanced course in India was $15. Wow. Then that was the discrepancy between, between the wealth. 
and I actually was making, something else interrupted my journey, but I was actually making plans because I could actually fly to India and take the course and stay in a first-rate hotel for the amount that it was costing me here, and I thought it would be much more fun. The point I'm making is that there's vast indiscrepancies as far as what it takes people to live and so on and so forth in the world. And our our multinational country companies are taking major advantage of that. So, and most of these multinational companies, folks, are being run by computers. So, if you can't find a human being someplace down the line to find out what that company stands for, I found out, um, Leslie, about 15 years ago, much to my shock and horror, that American Express had been run by computers for quite a number of years, and. That didn't come as a surprise to me that they were using computers big time. What came as a surprise to me was when I was told by three different supervisors that the supervisors could not override the American Express computer. Hmm. This is 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden when you hear that people with American Express accounts have been shut down because they live in the wrong zip code, you get that if no people are involved in this, that it's the computer at work. So it seems to me that one of the things we have to do to be virtuous consumers is have interactions with people who are there, competent, and stand for something. Right. You well, know? and that's very much, it's, you know, it, it can seem overwhelming. And I think when people really do stop to, to think about, you know, where is, where is my money going and, and is it supporting what I, you know, what I kind of stand for, it can seem quite overwhelming because it tends to to be very different than the way a lot of us, sort of the average consumer, does their their shopping, whether that's for you know a head of lettuce or or a car. But it really does come down to sort of just what you're saying: finding those those businesses that are are generally small and locally owned, and and that there's a face. Yeah, like a farmer's market, for instance. Absolutely. And I tell you, you go to the farmer's market, and I don't care how broke you are, there will be somebody there that will give you something at the end of the day. Yep. They'll say, yep. look, one, Alfonso was one of my friends. I have been about, <laughs> I have been about as broke as anybody can be and keep breathing, and my friends know that. What I've got is a lot of incredible human beings around me that make sure that I stay afloat. And I'm so entirely grateful for that. And one of them is my guy at the farmer's market or the fact that I will buy day-old bread at Ralph's and get it for yeah. a third the price and stick it in the freezer. Or I will buy meat that's 50% off at Smart and Final and I will shop at the 99-cent store, but I will only pick stuff that I know is high quality, that I know because yeah. they've changed labels or something. So it isn't just about being virtuous. It's actually about being on top of it. And then you also got to prepare your emergency kits and things of that nature. And as we stand here and we watch prices going up, gasoline going up, CW said something really interesting, Leslie. He said they've got us exactly where they want us. We don't even have enough gasoline to go anywhere. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> well, they don't have us where they want us. They have us where they think they have us. <laughs> Well, and I'm that one was, of those people who doesn't think the sort of the. I mean, there's a there's a there's a part of me that watches these gas prices rise to insane prices, and 
the optimist in me hopes that, that people will then smarten up <laughs> and realize that this is a finite resource. And well, they have, actually. They, a lot of people know that. But they, we, I was actually the hydrogen car director in 2001 with Dennis Weaver. Oh, yeah. And we drove the hydrogen cars across the United States. Well, first yeah. in 2001, we drove them from Santa Monica to Denver. And in 2003, we drove them from, from Santa Monica to Washington, D.C. The problem is, is that access to all these cars had been blocked. So if you wanted one, you pretty much had to make it on your own. Well, yeah. all that is changing, okay? And part of what we're about here on the Republic for the United States is we're about creating, people call it a utopia. I say sometimes there's ants and stuff in the utopia. But hey, we're actually going back to the concept of a republic, which is originally a 2,000-year-old concept initiated in Greece. And I'm an Olympic torchbearer. So you can imagine <laughs> so I can get very excited about possibility. And that's what this radio program is about. And I have some incredible people on the air with me today right now, Ken Cousins and um, Debbie Ringchop. And I want them to have an opportunity to interface with you and perhaps even get some good shopping tips. So, Debbie, what would you like to say to our dear Leslie here? Well, what do you think about some of these technologies that we've heard are available, but they've been withholding them from our country? Technologies to get rid of things like oil and electricity that's, you know, free energy and things of that sort. Have you heard some of those? Well, yeah, I'm actually I'm actually in Canada. Oh, cool. I'm up uh, I'm up near Toronto, so I'm not as as um, well versed in in U.S. politics as as you all are. Um, but it's certainly been frustrating for me to have seen when my book came out. It was summer of 2007, and over the next two years, I really started to see. Traction. I really started seeing a lot of the, the you know, clean, green technology innovations um, start to catch on with mainstream and, and not be so dismissed. And then we had the financial collapse of September 2009. And honestly, overnight, you saw sort of this, you know, this fear kind of take over, and all of a sudden... Everything was just written off as, you know, too expensive and, and not, um, you know, we weren't sure about it. And, and I mean, the, the landscape, from what I understand, was, was pretty much the same in, in the U.S. As it, as it has been in Canada, where, where we, we looked like we were really going to start making investments in really crucial clean technology. And, and now we're, you know, now we're back to... to kind of where we were four or five years ago. So we're, we're actually about to have a, a federal election. And, uh, and unfortunately, environmental issues and, and clean technology really aren't even on, on any of the, the major candidates' agendas. Because everybody's been distracted by They've been, global you know, baloney. Well, and, and the, this whole, you know, financial collapse. I mean, the, the Well, that was, was created. Falling. One of the things we know, Leslie, is because we've done a lot of research on this. The the power I'll call them the powers that be because I'm not I don't like swearing, only privately. 
Um, but the powers that be manipulate us on a regular basis, and they, they manipulated us when they started the Federal Reserve in the U.S. back in 1913. They manipulated us again with the 1933 stock market, or the 1929 stock market crash, and with the ignoring our particular sovereign rights, which is why I mentioned Tad Patterson's work earlier in the call. Because what Waking Up in America is about, and I include Canada, my family's actually from Vancouver, and my dad's from Guelph. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, not far from Guelph. Yeah, I I knew that actually. I thought it was pretty cute because when I was going through my bookcase, my hand just reached up and pulled your book, and I'm embarrassed to say that I've had that book since the summer of 2007. Okay, but my hand didn't go grab it until last week, and I think that's because it's important for us to be having this conversation, which used to be a regular on all my shows, you know? And I invite you to stay around for the show. There'll be more time for you to communicate. And I also want Ken to have the space to interact with you because what we're really talking about is taking advantage of all of the things that are available to us, you know? And what I can tell you is the things that you hear about in Waking Up in America, they're tried and true. We're not, they're things that we've done. We'll actually be talking a bit about a little bit about Leo Delgado today. I don't know how it works in Canada, but Leo's put together something in which he can actually, bless his heart, he can actually stop foreclosures. And he also analyzes mortgages for errors. And when you find errors in mortgages, guess what? They can't enforce them. So there's all kinds of things that we're talking about that poor Leslie got overwhelmed with because she didn't get that kind of response, and the truth of the matter is, is that when we respond the way Leslie is inviting us to, we have a chance to actually stand up and be tall and being smart about what we're consuming as part of that. Um, any way you'd like to comment here, Ken Cousins? <laughs> he says. <laughs> the question is, at what spot? Well, I'm laughing because I just got a text from a friend of mine. You know who that is, but we're not going to mention him. Okay. Uh, he basically said someone just put a post on one of the Denard websites saying that he is sitting in his car outside of his bank waiting for them to come out, that they said that they would already, that, that this is ready to go, that they're going to come out, let him know when he can come in to the bank to cash in his dinar today. So he's sitting in the car? He's, yeah. That, that is this, the guy, is this <laughs> your friend in another state? Oh. Well, yes, but we won't mention No, we won't mention <laughs> who, his who name. Or what, but, but um, um, yeah, I was just sitting here waiting for you to uh, point the pointer at me to say something. I was preparing something entirely different, but that popped up and I was reading it as you were mentioning <laughs> my name. So I thought it would be nice to share that. Now You consider that a, a sign from the universe? Well, treated as a rumor, yeah. Everything's yes. a sign from the universe, treated as a rumor. Um, but, you know, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's an interesting tie-in. I think, um, to the whole concept of consumerism and conscious awareness of, of our uh, true power of the, uh, of the checkbook because we do influence our society and our political structures by how we direct our financial monetary capacities. So 
Um, everybody's been waiting for this dinar, and they're all excited in the Twitter and everything. Well, if this is really it, I would say that everybody needs to really go inside and meditate and really think what power is being given to the people who are holding this. And there's, as you know, Val, other programs about to release uh, yeah. uh, largesse and liquidity to uh, lots of people. We have the ability to redirect how we're going to recreate our society. And we can create it in a balanced way, create it on the principles that uh, Leslie is talking about with conscious consumerism and awareness of what we actually are doing because we have the power and it's been proven before. You know, there were communities who created and have been and still are thriving. They've created local economies, local uh, script, you know, things like that. Things that can be used at the local level to interchange, to exchange without it being tied into a massive uh, bleeding parasitic system that we know of today as the modern banking world. Can I just share real quick, um, the U.S. national debt, the, the clock that's been out there for people that have been seeing it, um, usdebtclock.org is a really great website. But anyway, I had tracked it a couple years ago. We were talking 2009. Right before the crash, our debt in, in the United States was at 11.6 trillion dollars. Uh-huh. And it's just two years later and it's 14.3. Oh, that's because a lot of it's been Something. stolen trillion yeah. just in this very short time and it's all because you know they just keep making it up well they keep taking it too I mean yeah. that's what Ron Paul's letter was about a few weeks ago he says you want to know where 14 trillion dollars is you know well the cool thing is the impact of this is help impacting you know the gold and silver and we've seen that jumping up because you know if you look at the trends of where that's been if you look at it back in um, 2003 there was a percentage of 77 pieces of silver to one ounce of gold. What does that turn out to? Do you know? And now it's, it went down to about 50. Now it's 37 pieces of silver to one ounce of gold. One when ounce I first bought it, it was 17. We're now sitting at um, gold is at 1461 right now and silver at 3960. And just a short time ago, I mean, when I was talking about silver before, it was down at $9. It's now 39 yeah. And gold at that time and the lowest I've seen it in, in many years was down around seven hundred. It's doubled, but look at the, how much silver has gone up. Yeah. So and so is palladium, Deb. Silver is just gonna take off and I mean already it's gone up four times in the same amount of time gold doubled. So just keep those kinds of things in mind when you're thinking about where do you need to kinda hang some of your dollars, turn them into something might, that might actually have some value in the future. <laughs> yeah, because silver and gold aren't what have the value. What they're reflecting is the loss of value in the dollar. Exactly. In comparison. So you don't have to go, oh, my God, I don't know what happened. They just devalued the dollar by 75%. You can keep living expenses around, and you can actually just make sure that your money is in something that's going up so you can use this opportunity instead of as a complaint um, to do something terrific. And I'm sure, sure you like that idea, don't you, Leslie? <laughs> well, I have to say, when, when my husband's in finance and uh, when talk sort of turns to, to that arena, I, it's, it's not my area of expertise. Let's put so it what is way. your husband saying, okay? Fess up. 
Well, he, to be honest, he, he, had, he had seen the collapse coming. And I was, I mean, I, we had, I had been doing, I was en route uh, from a speaking engagement I had in Illinois. And we were driving um, back home and we were kind of, you know, kind of going the outskirts of Chicago. And we were seeing all these sort of big, you know, monster homes sort of, you know, in the midst of construction and so on. And he started explaining to me, because, I mean, finance is not my, my thing, about this whole, the whole, um, you know, kind of no money down mortgage plan that was, that was, you know, taking off. And he just said, you know, he, he said, it's, it's crazy. He said, it's a trap is what it was. No way. <laughs> This can hold," he said. "I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but he just said something. Something's got to give. And sure enough, it was probably well. It was designed. Later. It was a trap, just like we were set up in in the 1929. These traps were there to pull us in and get over commitment. We've done a lot of studying on it. That's one of the things. If if you guys who are listening are interested in learning about, you can talk to Tad Patterson. Send an email to val at mailhouse.com and Tad will get it. There's so much that's going on. Um, somebody just sent me an email asking for the man who can stop foreclosures. <clears throat> and also, um, the guy is a forensic analyst. His name is Leo Delgado. His toll-free number is 855-719-7770. That's toll-free. Um, his email is leogoldenkey at gmail.com. Say that you heard about him on Waking Up in America. His website is lendersfraud.com. And um, he's been working with me. We, <laughs> I told him yeah, we were in doubt about whether we should mention this on the air or not. He actually stopped a foreclosure that was within 24 hours of happening for my property. Okay, So you've got to know I love Leo. Um, and I love Ken for referring Leo to me. Ken's one sharp cookie. You will never hear everything he has to talk about in one 10-hour session because the man is gifted in so many fields. Anyway, Leo is a golden key. Um, go over to lendersfraud.com. Call him at 855-719-7770. You want to call him for two reasons in particular, though when you check out his website, you'll see he does many other things like Mr. Cousins here. Um, Leo Delgado can stop your foreclosure. It usually lasts anywhere between one and three months, and then he can do it again, okay? He well, can also see that on the radio, but come on. Pardon? We can't make that kind of a guarantee on the radio. He can. I can't? I wouldn't expect, no. I wouldn't. Well, maybe I should take that back. Please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> he does have the technology. Well, he, he knows what to say to people. And see, Debbie is like J Jiminy Cricket for me, okay? So I want you to know that Jiminy Cricket has just said that I said something I probably shouldn't say. So I'll I just take say it back. a disclaimer that, you know, he'll do his best at it. But, you know, there's all kinds of circumstances that could interfere. It's not all in his hands because the rest of the somebody else could do something that could blow it away. That's all. Well, <laughs> okay. I'm going to let Jiminy Cricket stand, okay? Go for it. CW, by the way, not CW, but uh, sometimes hard to tell them apart. Did I call her CW? Yes, I didn't you did. Mean. Good God. Well, thank you. I just got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> Do definitely promote it. Let me put it this way. I cannot speak for everyone. I can tell you that my foreclosure was stopped. 
I can also tell you that the man is analyzing my mortgage papers and he's already found errors in them. And all of this makes me very happy. I can also tell you that I think his rates are reasonable. I think it's worth checking it out with him and seeing what it is that he can do. And I, oh, I was talking about Jiminy Cricket. I wasn't talking about CW. Jiminy Cricket is actually Gail's cousin, Gail Allen, who's on the show sometime. It was her cousin who was the voice of Jiminy Cricket. And I consider Debbie my good conscience. Like, she listens to make sure that everybody is safe and informed. That's what Debbie does. And so do the rest of the members on the team. That's why if I stick my foot in my mouth big time, like I did last week, talking about the pineal gland, and what was that other gland that I actually meant? The one pituitary? One, no, I caught, talked about the pituitary gland, <clears throat> meaning the pineal gland, and Dr. Rutledge was here to correct me. And that's the beauty of team and excellence and things of that nature. You can make a misstep, but you can't fall anywhere because the people are there to take care of you, okay? And that's what we want you to have. And yes, Leslie, talk to them if you want to talk to them. The guys are, the things that are going on inside of the Republic are astounding. And I'm hoping we have, uh, Kelby, are you here? He was supposed I to am. be, you am. <clears throat> so am. Kelby has dropped in from a meeting and he's going to uh, give us an update on the the equipment and the buying into the registration and the participation in the Republic. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. In the last uh, um, couple of weeks, we've been working diligently on getting uh, prepared um, a relaunch of the Bureau website and also a launch of the uh, new website, RepublicForTheUnitedStates.org. Um, we've got a team of guys. Uh, we're pretty much meeting every day, uh, just having dialogue about what we need to um, uh, put together on the face page, on the subsequent pages, and so forth, so we can get good information um, out to everybody. Uh, here's the good news. We're working right now with the uh, president and vice president to uh, develop the pricing on the new bureau website, which will be launched hopefully in about a week. And I think the pricing is going to be um, way better. So. Uh, the people who've already got identifications are going to get new identifications at no additional cost. And the people that uh, um, are looking for identifications, uh, we we had to do some reworking, which uh, corrected the TSA issues that uh, for, so we could be compliant with some uh, specialty ink, um, special hieroglyphics, and a special uh, thing, I guess, that we didn't have in place, but we do now. And uh, so I just want everybody in the Republic um, a, go sign up, become a member, republicfortheunitedstates.org, uh, and B, uh, get ready to get your identifications, uh, which will pull you into the jurisdiction of Republic, and then start really reading and learning about what it takes to truly be uh, free of the corporation and, and, and be out of their jurisdiction. That's cool. Do you have any idea what the prices are? I don't at this time. I had I've I've got some suggestions out there, but I would never announce it publicly. And by the way, uh, uh, now I support your 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 other shoulder uh, where Jiminy Cricket uh, wasn't standing. I think personally, it's um, any foreclosure can be stopped. Any foreclosure. And any foreclosure. I personally think any foreclosure can be stopped, and I think uh, the ones that go through, I think they can be reversed. It's just I was actually told they could be. 
Yeah, it's difficult, but anybody that has the drive and has done a few of them in their past uh, absolutely can get it done. I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> very, very happy to hear that. Sorry, Deb. <laughs> so, Deb, I still like having Jiminy Cricket around, okay? <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally. Jiminy Cricket brings things to a point and lets other people know what's being thought, and that's what happens on this program, and that's how thought evolves here. So um, anything else you'd like us to know, Kelby, before you have to zip back to the meeting? No, I think we're good. Well, I totally thank you. And uh, what is your actual title in the Republic for our listeners? Secretary of Housing. So I want you, <laughs> I wanted you to say that. So it's the Secretary of Housing of the Republic of the United States of America who has just told you that any foreclosure can be stopped. I just wanted to put full power to that. Does that mean in Canada too? Since we've got a Canadian, a Canadian I, I, on the show, I can't speak to Canada. They do some weird things up there, like dismiss their parliament three times over the last three years. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know how to explain Canadians. So I haven't heard you do one eh yet, Leslie. Well, no, I'm. I, I take such grief over it that I've I've done everything I can to try to avoid doing it. Oh, I love eh. See, that's part of when they know somebody's an automatic friend is when I hear the eh. No, well, sorry. <laughs> so you had an earful. Um, are you having any reactions or conversations about what we've been talking internally well, going it's, on I in mean, your head? It's, it's certainly beyond the the scope of of my book, um, which which I had written as as well as I said, it was largely becoming a a mother, which I seemed to become a consumer in in one fell swoop, um, and it really was was my attempt to. Uh, create change in, in sort of in, in simple everyday ways. Absolutely, and and I think that change can happen, as I say, if you decide that you want to flick on the light switch and have the electric company paying you. Um, one of the things that I'm on, one of the committees that I'm on as a member of House in the Republic is such a turn on. I can't tell you, Leslie, and it's part of why I got back to you. I'm on the Science and Technology Committee. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there are so many sciences and technologies that you've been forced as a consumer to buy what's convenient for the corporations, not what's most effective in the world. I don't know about you, Debbie, or Ken, but I saw a device when I was with Dennis Weaver in 2001 where you could stick a rod into the ground, a rod. We're not even talking about solar panels, and you could generate enough electricity to take care of the house. Now... If, I was looking for. Yeah. So one of the things that we can do is we can start researching these things. We're bringing them forward in the Republic and letting people know about them. You got the email, I'm sure, Debbie, in which I showed you that uh, one of them where you spray that stuff on a person's skin. It's like stem cells. Did you get that from me? I don't recall seeing that. Okay, let me tell you. In science and technology, we sent an email around, and it's like, oh, my God, this man had... Leslie, he had second and third degree burns all over his body, and three days later he looked like he had never been burned. And somebody has created a gun, uh, literally a gun that sprays stem cells on people. Wow. The results are totally wow. So this kind of, I mean, if you take a look at technology, Tesla had technology that was around in the 1930s that's just happening. People, 
seem to think auras are still mystical things. Well, his camera, I had a Curlian camera. It, they were invented in the 1930s, and I could take pictures of people's auric fields, and I could put them into a fight, which is really kind of fun. You know, get them to argue about something, and guess what? Their auric fields would show up different, and they would. you could even tell who the dominant person was yeah. <laughs> in the argument. Okay, so we're living a little bit like slaves and dogs, okay, to the products and things that we're being offered. Does your virtuous consumer ever say, look, I need this, where is it? Well, it certainly looks at um, at technologies that were that were very promising. Well, I mean, I'm and well, not even so much a technology, but a material. But I mean, um, take hemp, for example. Oh, perfect. I mean, hemp was Columbus discovered America with sails made of hemp, and Ford built his first car um, using hemp, and yet. In the United States, you can't even grow hemp right. um, without some sort of, you know, special dispensation from the, you know, government. Do you know why that um, is? Yeah. Tell yeah, us why I that do. is. <laughs> well, one of the, the, certainly one of the theories, and, and it seems to be a fairly widely accepted one, that it was, uh, it was sort of the newspaper industry, the pulp and paper industry, that um, that basically wanted to put hemp out of business because they their their money was in was in paper. Yeah, actually, and the Bill of Rights. Being, pardon me. The Bill of Rights and Constitution were actually written on hemp. Was written paper. on hemp exactly. That was that was what everybody used for just about everything. And in fact, most explorers when they went when they sort of set out from you know Spain and and uh, England and so on inevitably had. Um, bushels full of hemp because if they were to wash up anywhere, hemp pretty much provides all the, the raw materials you need to, to sort of create a society. It's your food source, it's your cloth, it's your building materials, it's, uh, it's the seed to grow, you know, to grow more food. Um, so yeah, I just want to interject I, something here. Sure. When Henry Ford used hemp, I don't know if you know this or not, Leslie. He was actually using it to, as we use plastic today, and it's yes. much stronger. So yes. the cars were being built of hemp, and they were not cracking up and breaking up and all of that stuff. So, yes. And also, marijuana was used to calm people and to create, you know, so that they didn't feel stressed. So the drug industry didn't like it. So everybody got together and made sure that it didn't happen. And Ken, I know you're loaded on stuff like this, and I... I'm seeing that we're moving towards the end of the show. Is there any comments you want to make on hemp and also on what you're up to with the silver rounds? Well, I do want to point out to the listening audience that the segue from you talking about marijuana to you saying that I'm loaded up on all this. <laughs> was, it was a Freudian was, slip, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, folks, I'm not loaded up on marijuana. I'm just high on life. And, uh, <laughs> um well, you know, as with all things, uh, I hark back to the very first show I was on with you about eight, nine months ago when I quoted uh, FDR saying that nothing in history happens by accident. And if you look at all of these key things, they're always, always very synchronistic. Like when was marijuana vilified and turned into the evil reefer demon? Uh, you know, it's when... Uh, the plastic industry was about to be birthed 
It's when um, nylon was being invented so that they could do punt, could replace hemp rope with nylon rope, things like that. Uh, you know, the diesel engine was originally created to run on, I think it was peanut oil. And, of course, the huh. gasoline engine was really originally created to run on ethanol or alcohol. So when they vilified alcohol, many things happened. One was pushing everybody into gasoline and then pushing everybody into petroleum-based diesel. So it's always the money. Follow the money trail. And uh, so what about consumerism? What about the money trail? What about something like silver? Or what about something like building local economy based on barter and exchange? Uh, because I think it's about three or four weeks ago, I was saying there are three things that are built into the system we have today that are designed to steal everything, all the wealth, all the labor. And I think I stumbled because I couldn't remember the third one. But those, those are interest, taxation, and inflation. And if you just look at those three factors over the last hundred years, along with the conversion of sustainable technology into you know, planned obsolescence, this is how the wealth of America and the wealth of the world has been stolen. So we have to bring it back to center. We have to create local economy. The republic is structured to protect us, to build local economy. And the silver rounds that we are now producing, they're simply a unit of measure, one full troy ounce of pure silver. And nothing more, nothing less. It's not a monetary unit. It's not a currency. It is a medium of value that can be held and retain value that is not subject to interest, taxation, or inflation. So, but it is subject to multiplication. Well, it's that's a joke. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's subject to converting your current. Uh, relatively uh, diminishing value pieces of paper in your pocket that are becoming less and less available, putting them into something that is real, that is stable, that will always be the same. A hundred, a thousand years from now, an ounce of silver will be an ounce of silver. And it represents value that can be uh, a repository of value for holding your value while we go through tumultuous uh, changes in the currency system and all the rest of it. And it's something that should be a medium of exchange. So I think by about next week I'll have the website up. But for now, if anybody is out there with FRNs burning through their pocket, <laughs> uh, we have two beautiful designs. One is a California free state design that says sovereigns on the land, uh, re-inhabited 2010. Liberty, Freedom, and Justice. It's a beautiful design. Uh, I saw them hot off the press on Monday, and we'll have them ready to go for delivery uh, next week. So anybody who's got FRNs burning through your pocket, send an email to Val at Val at wakingupinamerica.com. Say you're interested in Silver Rounds, and we'll Yeah, but Silver Rounds in the title line. Yeah, exactly. And uh, by next week, we'll have the website up. And the other design, um, I've built a private organization called a Private Contract Association over the last 10 years designed to help people come into knowledge and develop their skills in law and everything they need to know to be prosperous in the republic and in our lives. And um, 
Uh, it's called Pantera, and that's going to be the website. And it's a beautiful design of a panther, which is the Spanish word Pantera means panther. And uh, it's all about, uh, you know, building our new world. So that's all going to be up and running next week, and I'll have more to say next week. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. That's perfect. So, Leslie, I'm over at Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Have you been over there looking at your book lately? Uh, not lately. They, they've got them for sale. Yeah. So if people go to Amazon.com, The Virtuous Consumer, because the book came out a couple of years ago, you can get really good deals on them. So there's no reason <laughs> to not know what's going on about this. This is what Amazon does to remove their stock. I've bought books anywhere from... Uh, a penny to to a dollar, and they've got brand new ones here for twelve dollars and forty four cents, and then they've got other ones as well. So, check it out, Amazon dot com, and put in the virtuous consumer. Now, you and I and that does. I I often do suggest though check your your small locally owned bookstore first. See how good she is. <laughs> see if they'll see if they'll order it for you if they don't have it on the shelf. Local stores, yes. Our our little. Our little local stores are disappearing, so I hopefully you've got a little local store that will do that for you. And I do love the one in the Pacific Palisades. Not only that, the local stores also bring in the authors from time to time, and that's always yes. good fun. So I'm not here's sure where you are, but there's, there's I'm in Pacific Passage in I'm Northern in pa- California. Pacific Palisades. But here's one of the things I want to mention, because on your hate list of people, not hate list, five products that make you crazy, we talked about Hummer's um, Swiffer pledge wipes, water in plastic bottles, Oscar Mayer lunch meats, and aspartame, okay? But I will tell you something, and we can comment on this in the last few minutes. I have certain things which are ecologically improper. I don't want a Hummer, but I do drive a car that has more, gets less miles to the gallon than some other cars. And with a lot of people that I've spoken to, they seem to have problem with the concept of being totally ecological because they've got a favorite thing that they think that they're guilty about. Right. So what I've come up with is a point system. <laughs> so you get points for everything that you do, okay? And then you can take a certain number of points and you can allow yourself to do something else. Like one of the things that I do regularly is... I empty my trash bags into the trash container and then I bring the trash bag and use it back again mm-hmm. from week to week. So I give myself a point for that. Yeah. Okay, and then I may decide to spend my point at some other place. I do not <laughs> expect everybody to be perfect. What I expect well, no. is that we're aware. No, and nor do I. And I think that's that's one of the things I tried very hard with the, the tone of my book is, I mean, I am certainly not not you know, free of, of sin. <laughs> so if we all, I mean, we live in a, in a world that sort of has been, you know, has been constructed to encourage um, to consumption and, uh, and, and sort of discard. So it's, it's increasingly hard, but it can certainly be done. It really does come down to, I think, just, just being thoughtful about things and recognizing that, you know what, some days you're, you're just not going to wash out that, you know, that plastic milk bag and, and recycle it. You're just too tired. And it yeah, you don't want to. Um, and you're going to give up that point, and you know that you gave up that point. 
<laughs> yeah, because I think guilt can can certainly paralyze us, and that's not what oh, you want. You or want you can it can make you an erotic bitch. Okay. Well, yeah, it can. And, and I've often said too, you know, kindness is as as scarce a resource as anything, and and we want to be, you know, kind of good, happy, thoughtful people, and um, and that I think really just comes down to figuring out where you can make change, and uh, and starting there. Absolutely. I, I, I totally get this. So we're in choice. The object of the game is to be in choice. My son and I, we don't drink Diet Cokes anymore, but when we drank Diet Cokes, we knew that they were, that they were flavored with aspartame. And we used to joke and say, well, how much poison should we allow ourselves this week? Because aspartame is actually a form of rat poison as far as I know. So how much aspartame or how much rat poison can we drink this week without having it affect us, okay? So we'll split a bottle, something like that. Well, that evolved into I don't think I want rat poison at all. So it isn't that you automatically change into everything that's perfect. It's that you take a look at what you're doing. You, you see what the consequences are. You investigate the possibilities. You read books like the one that Leslie Garrett has put together, The Virtuous Consumer. There are other ones. Um, check it out. Find out what's new. And, and you can count on The Republic, and you can count on Debbie and CW and Ken Cousins and um, myself and CW Wright and on Jiminy Cricket here to be looking at things and trying to bring you the latest. And we won't always agree. Dr. Rutledge, who's actually attending his dad's funeral, he and I have gotten into some major disagreements. I didn't even want to put him on the air because um, he wanted to talk about how DDT was a, a powerful contributor to health. I didn't believe that for a second, Leslie. And it turned out I was, like, hideously wrong. Well, so, it's, it's, some of these things have their applications. As we listen to other people and we find out how they're using something, the, black, the blanket statements that were given on what's right and what's wrong and all of that, so that we can be good little consumers, um, be a smart consumer. Be, get that every day we're consuming something, and every day, like when Leslie said, no, I don't want to buy children's clothes that are based on the suffering of somebody else in another country, it's like, oh, my God. So we thank you for listening. You've been listening to Waking Up in America. Um, what can I tell you? We're very happy that you were with us today. This program has been brought to you by Kirkgaard Media, our radio partners, ConingCompany.com, Dr. James Murphy and Memoriam, DrValerie.com, all spelled out. We thank our producer, C.W. Wright of EmergencyManagementSolutions.org, Jason Winter T, L.A. Lifestyle. A big thanks to you of the right and to Ron Hayes, our research assistant. Also to our team at Voice America, Jess Bernard, Nathan Jett, Ruben Colomb, and our announcer, Mike. Merci beaucoup to Bent Migan. For our theme music, already almost ordinary people, and if you hear us in Albuquerque, we thank you, Mike and Ron Simon, for making that happen there. You can always write to Val at wakingupinamerica.com. Once again, that's V-A-L at wakingupinamerica.com. Visit wakingupinamerica.com and sign up for our alerts. City of Southia, Sportius of Love, and hey, Leslie Garrett, you rock. <laughs> thank you. It's been a pleasure. Feel the dance, hear the music, feel the dance. Thank you.
you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com, and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com.